The amount of U.S. government debt has grown 98% of the size of the economy in the 2020 fiscal year that ends on September 30th, according to the U.S. Congressional Budget Office, a result of increased government borrowing as the country continues to fight the coronavirus pandemic and attempts to uh, recover from economic recession. Next year, the debt is projected to exceed the annual gross domestic product for the first time since 1946, which was after World War II ended. So to give us some expert analysis on what this means, uh, we're joined by the National Political Director at the Concord Coalition. This is a nonpartisan group that advocates putting the national debt on a sustainable course. Philip Smith on the line. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us, sir. Uh, Can you first highlight uh, some of the major points that uh, stick out to you from the recent CBO report? Yes, absolutely. So the Congressional Budget Office in the United States last week produced a report that did show some stratospheric numbers, uh, just eye-popping numbers for our annual deficit. And our annual deficit uh, basically tripled what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year, mainly due to the pandemic and issues related to spending. And then also um, our debt, as you mentioned, is scheduled to continue to uh, to skyrocket. And because we're going through these difficulties right now, our revenues are, are down. And uh, and also, one interesting thing that the report uh, brought up is they were predicting lower interest rates, uh, lower projected interest rates over the next few years, which would help some, uh, you know, with, with these. But this, despite these challenges, what we're seeing is, uh, that really disturbs us, though, is some of the long-term trends. So mm-hmm. these are some difficult things this year, but we still haven't addressed our long-term challenges, you know, five, ten years from now still. Right. And uh, as I briefly mentioned, the last time the federal debt that was this high uh, would be uh, decades ago before uh, many of us were born, uh, right after the Second World War, when it was at 119 percent of GDP. Uh, Is would you would you attribute the uh, coronavirus pandemic and the ensuing economic fallout to be the main culprit of this? Or are these, uh, as you seem to be hinting at, uh, more kind of longer term uh, symptoms of of a wider uh, disease, so to speak? Yes, when you look close in at this window of the year 2020, most of these big numbers are a result of the pandemic spending. But even before the pandemic started hitting the United States, uh, if you look back to February or March, we were already predicting a very sizable deficit this year of $1 trillion. And we could see in each subsequent year we were projecting that there would be over a trillion dollars of annual deficits each year going out as far Mm -hmm. as we could see. So we were already entering this situation uh, from a very challenging position. And, of course, the pandemic made it more challenging. Would you say the situation is um, unique right now? Or can we kind of draw some parallels to uh, when we were at 119 percent of GDP uh, after World War II? So the World War II era is oftentimes referred to as, you know, when we had these record levels of debt. But there were some very important differences between those times and current day. So back in those times, um, our economic growth was about to be fantastic after World War II. And that really, really helped. And our demographic situation right now in the United States and other developed countries our demographics, you know, with our older people living longer, mm-hmm. we just don't have the same young country that we had back then. So that's probably the biggest difference. And we are also on the verge of a big baby boom uh, right after World War II that helped those long-term trends. And then lastly, I would say the biggest difference is back during World War II, we did not have a lot of the structural deficits uh, baked into the numbers already. So like today, 
we have all of these deficits that are already baked in, particularly through um, some of our spending programs uh, where the numbers are already going to be high, like Social Security and Medicare, because of our demographics, the spending on those programs are already going to be high. And we didn't we didn't have as much of that back in World War Two time. In terms of what you saw with the CBO report, and uh, I guess the kind of main headline coming out of this uh, from the media is the fact that we, uh, the U.S. is approaching basically 100% GDP uh, uh, in terms of debt. It's not a surprise to you necessarily, right, in terms of what we are facing with the COVID-19 pandemic globally, as well as the, uh, the U.S. being deemed to perhaps be suffering uh, arguably uh, the worst of it, uh, not just with the pandemic itself, but also the economic fallout? Yes, we, when we started to see the pandemic coming, we obviously couldn't predict we were going to have a pandemic. But once we saw the pandemic was here, we knew that the numbers were going to be quite large. Um, and we were warning people that something like this could happen. We didn't know that it might be a pandemic, but we were warning, you know, the government we need a plan for emergencies. So the numbers, uh, these temporary numbers do not surprise me. Um, What does disappoint me, however, again, is that we don't have a plan for the long term. Um, Once we get through the pandemic, and we have to do some of these things we're doing for the pandemic right now, we, we need to figure out a way to get our federal budget on a sustainable course. So we have then perhaps competing visions for how to approach this, the, uh, the, the Grover Norquist idea of basically kind of shrinking the government down to the size of a bathtub. Uh, basically, you, you can reduce revenue, but at the same time, you're going to have to drastically uh, cut most of these entitlements and services, or uh, perhaps uh, the more uh, Sweden socialist type of uh, idea of uh, you're going to have to generate more revenue and that's going to uh, imply that uh, taxes across the board will have to rise with uh, corresponding, I guess, uh, smart cuts in government spending. Uh, Are there nuances in between as to how uh, we can best handle this, especially right now, as we say, uh, we're not past the worst of it in terms of the pandemic? Well, we really aren't. And, you know, I can tell you as a deficit hawk that, you know, the deficit will not get better until the economy gets better. Yeah. And the economy won't get better until we get through this health care crisis. And, you know, we can't get through the health care crisis without doing certain things. So, But we've had a long time, over 200 years, the United States has been de- debating the size of what, what the government should be. <laughs> should it be large? Should it be small? And oftentimes in Washington, we wind up with schizophrenic uh, type of policy where we want the taxes if we're a small government, but we want to spend as if we're a big government. So mm-hmm. whenever we decide what size government is going to be, um, we need to find a revenue source uh, that will do that. And I think based on what's happening right now, most economists agree that at the end of the pandemic, we will need to come up with some type of new revenue source. Uh, what potential revenue source uh, could there be? Well, there's lots of things, and it would probably need to be in combination with long-term entitlement reform, right, so that you do both revenue and spending at the same time in one large package. So there's different types of taxes that people could look at. We could have tax reform. Um, Right now, our tax system in the United States is very, very complicated, and even though we had a round of tax cuts back in 2017, there really wasn't that much tax reform in there. So there's some, some benefits that we could get from tax reform. Uh, some people talk about a value-added tax. Mm-hmm. That might be a way to get some more revenue in. But also, when looking at the spending side, we're going to have to do something with our entitlement programs. Again, most economists agree that to put them on a sustainable path, there will have to be some sort of changes in programs, such as Social Security and Medicare. Now, I, I know that you would probably prefer to uh, keep 
politics out of this, uh, but uh, there has been an accusation that uh, Republicans uh, tend to uh, drive up the deficits, but then when they're not in power with the the Democratic administrations, they they do put a lot of uh, pressure on uh, certain austerity measures in place here. Do you believe that uh, with the public as it stands right now, uh, widely dissatisfied with uh, their lot in life, especially with what they feel to be uh, sort of uh, ignoring their needs uh, at the expense of the elites, that um, the decisions that voters make, uh, whether it is re-electing Trump or uh, going with Joe Biden, uh, would have a, a big impact on the long-term national debt picture, which is uh, very important to you personally? So both parties uh, don't have the best record when it comes to debt and deficit issues. Uh, in fact, my biggest disappointment with both parties is that neither Democrats nor Republicans have been able to come up with a long-term plan. Uh, to address these issues. And so I would give both parties uh, not a very good grade (laughs) until they come up with a plan uh, to to deal with these issues. But I I definitely, and like I said, I would like to keep politics out of it, but uh, there are definitely two competing visions uh, being articulated right now, and it's a very exciting time uh, to be in the United States. My hope is that uh, questions will be asked of these candidates like you're asking me, uh, and, and so I'll be watching the presidential debate mm. very, very closely to, to see what questions are asked. All right. I think all of us are uh, going to be doing that for sure. Uh, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Philip Smith, National Political Director at the uh, Concord Coalition. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure.